Lads, we're back. They're back. Hey. Special episode, May 3rd. Do you guys know what tomorrow is? Uh, May 4th. Indeed. May the 4th be with you, a national holiday. Did you guys see that? Apparently, I think The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, or mainly Rise of Skywalker, is finally coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, because all the movies will finally be on. So I'll tell you guys, that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Building my new Lego that you get tomorrow. Watching Star Wars. But all speaking of Star Wars. Nine of them? All nine of them. Um, Solo and the second oh. half of Rogue One, because that's the only good part of it. Fight me, it is. Well, the last Not a good seconds. No, no, no. Just watch it like halfway. Just convince someone to be like, yeah, just watch the half. What like, happens if they go through and like what led to all of this? It's just Darth when Vader. You, no, no, no. Yeah. That's amazing. But that's the, the when they get to the actual sea, when they actually start attacking that planet, if you just look at that as like Cosmo Venariar is a really good YouTuber who says like if you just look at the that last third of Rogue One is like this short film yeah. and it's just like storming the Death Star. I mean, sorry, the, to get the plants from the Death Star. Yep. It's really entertaining, and then it's capped off, but you can see some pretty ser- uh, serious fan service with Darth Vader. Um, but you know what's really funny? Episode 11 of the last season of Clone Wars aired last week, and um, I- I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it, but, like, oh my god, it was so good. And um, a character kind of has a scene where it mirrors that Darth Vader scene from Rogue One, but I, I wanted to start with podcast today by talking about Star Wars Clone Wars because there were some forget about any hogging news I received some news that was it, I've never been more proud I don't think I'll, if I ever have kids I won't be as proud as them as I am Daniel for starting to watch Star Wars Clone Wars so Daniel let me ask you where are you in the series and how are you enjoying it so far I'm enjoying it a lot um so it's pretty funny I watched the movie again because I watched it when I first came out in theaters that was a mistake yeah it was cool um got familiar with the characters again um I'm only on like episode four to be honest I've been <laughs> watching it pretty slowly um I've been watching it like here and there with the Mandalorian so it's been cool yeah Oh, mine? Um, right now, I mean, like, I think talking to other people, like, they always said I'd like to Plo Koon. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, like, drawing from the movies, I'm always going to like Kit Fisto. All right. Yeah, he, gets, he has a pretty cool arc, uh, two pretty decent arcs in the show. So uh, keep on watching it, lads, because it is. It sounds like Daniel has a lot of patience. The fact that it's he sent us a message saying he started watching it almost a week ago, or when? Oh yeah, that's true. That's like a few days ago. I'm, I don't know. I and he's just, only on I'm episode so... four, and the the shows are like what twenty one minutes. Man, yeah, I, I watched like, them done a like... season. I have no patience. I used to have a study breaks or like because I'm still marking right yeah, now, yeah. so you know the get rid of the dread yeah. of uh, getting all of this done. I'm like, okay, I'll just watch one, and then I'm like, okay, good for you. There's no way. <laughs> Hey, fantastic show, and after season one, it really kicks off. There's some good star stuff there, but again, the animation is a bit... Mm. And uh, as you are a fan of Evangelion, you know what you need in uh, animations. You need really good animation. Every season, it takes a step up. We'll go to the hockey now, which is why everyone is really here. And guys, first of all, let's talk about the fact that Joel Ward has hung up his skates. And if there is a player who, or a person, sorry, who turned into a different player when the playoffs came around, it was Joel Ward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's very just – he seemed like a completely different player. And not to say that 
he wasn't a good player, um, you know, during the regular season, but he just seemed like a completely different beast in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's like initial co- like those essential cog guys that like could fit anywhere in your top nine and will like do the job. I really like Joe Ward. Um, it's been a place for me uh, because I remember when he was like still considering what he was going to do with his NHL comeback, what he was going to do to secure a contract, and he would practice with the Ryerson Rams team. Really? really? Yeah. Like he did all his workouts at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, sweet. So officially our favorite retired player. Joe Ward, of course, yes. Of course, we'll all remember the goal he scored to eliminate the Bruins the year after they won the Cup. In the final, uh, as uh, the play-by-play of the Capitals would say, good afternoon, well, good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Boston. Anytime they lose is a great day for everyone else. But going to another retired player, a uh, bit of an unfortunate situation. George LaRock, former Montreal Canadian, uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, he's also an asthmatic, as you revealed in an Instagram post. So uh, we're all rooting for you, George LaRock. Uh, if he was one of those... A great career, 700 games played, even though he was more of the enforcer type role. One of the real laps of his breed. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, he's been a lot more involved with the Habs a lot the past year. Since I remember there was that report that he was working at the McDonald's or Tim Hortons. And I guess from there, like, everyone was laughing at him about it. It was, it was really unfortunate because this is a guy that, like, he played the game hard and all that. So, yeah, our best wishes to uh, best recoveries to George LaRock. And also, uh, tomorrow, a lot of, it seems like everyone's taking a step forward with COVID-19, some stuff opening, especially in the States, uh, taking here. steps. Not, oh, yeah. Just a, well, and, I mean, here uh, it's just a couple of things. Yeah, but it's still steps, small steps forward, steps nonetheless. And at this time, even if we are moving forward, we should, again, thank all those who are in the front lines working and all that, everything they've done to help flatten the curve. And even if, ladies and gentlemen, there are some uh, restrictions being lifted, don't be an idiot out there, please. Guy, about that, let's talk about some other idiots, especially the Chicago Blackhawks. (laughs) They fire President John F. McDonough, and this guy, when he got to Chicago, he turned them into the winners that we knew them as before the whole Panarin trade. Uh, Pecorine completely blowing up that franchise by, you know, being the goaltender that had more points than half of their um, the Blackhawks forwards in that famous sweep the, in Nashville's run in 2017. So, what do you guys make of what may be the first of many? changes i guess we can see coming in uh for me i think this personally i look at it as you know this could potentially be something that could potentially lead to more like bigger changes and and you know last year we saw uh joel joel quenville uh obviously let go there was always a rift obviously it's always seemed like there was a rift between him and bowman um even when they were winning, that was kind of a bigger story than them actually winning. Was the fact that there was, con- they were constantly butting heads. Um, now, this year, you know, <clears throat> the biggest thing for me, looking at this team is, yeah, you know, they won three cups, but at a certain point, things come to an end, right? And I think this is kind of that 
that full circle. And, you know, yeah, he won three cups with, with the team. Uh, he's probably going to get higher, hired uh, soon um, anytime. So I, I think this leads to bigger changes. I think the team kind has gone in a weird direction lately. Uh, signing Leonard didn't make a whole lot of sense to, to me considering the situation of the team. Uh, you know, they... You think they're retooling, bringing in Leonard only to trade him. You you think that Leonard was the obvious choice to resign. Uh, what are they going to do with Crawford? I still don't understand why they, they brought back Andrew Shaw. That seemed like a mistake the day they made that yeah. trade. It just seems the last few years, and really it feels like since they, since they got swept by Nashville, it's been mistake after mistake trying to fix trying to fix the problem but you know really only seeming to make the the problem worse Daniel let me ask you this because from all sort of whispers coming out of Chicago it really sounds like an internal hiring is coming to be their new president um, and it seems to be that Blackhawks fans that's the last thing they want if you're in the position of running the Chicago Blackhawks who do you get as a replacement for John F. McDonough because the guy really was yeah everyone praises Bowman and deservedly so despite the past few years but John F. McDonough was really if you look at it an architect on that team so mm-hmm. what do you do to replace a guy like that to be honest, I'm not too sure. Like, I kind of like agree with a lot of Alex's points. Where I think before you kind of do something like that, you kind of have to understand what you kind of want to do with the team. Because what we talked about was when you take what Chicago was before uh, McDonough was something like completely different. Like now, it's an idea of like when you think of retooling. Like we've mentioned the Robin Leonard signing. Um, the two things that really didn't make sense to me was they got Calvin DeHaan and Alimata. That really like. Like, you know, those are not guys that, you know, you're not going to... What I thought about was, like, you know, you're not going to build on Keith and Seabrook anymore. Like, why would you bring in these guys? Right. So, those... And, like, the Henry Yorkiharu trade, that one was weird to me. Yeah, that was a... They were... There were a lot of people questioning that deal. And apparently the Blackhawks thought they knew something that other people didn't. But what's what's really weird is you bring up Mata and that. Those, like, out Mata and Calvin DeHaan scream to me... Hey, I'm rebuilding franchise in NHL 20. I need some stop gaps. Yeah. Let me grab those guys. Yeah. Um, in terms of that question about who will be the next president, I think they could go two ways. So they'll go one where they're going to go with someone that's like not relatively unknown, but someone that doesn't have that big name where you could got to go like, okay, let's let's get let's steer this ship and try to win back like enthusiasm yeah. for this franchise. Um, not sure what's going to happen with Kane and Taves, like now that they're like, you know, in their thirties, but a second one would be, you'll get, I don't know. I kept thinking, um, Chris Chelios <laughs> because I'm like, you know, it's a guy that has management experience, but at the same time, like he has that big name that would be like kind of reignite that whole like, enthusiasm over the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Adam, can I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. You said something about them internal, being internal. They're going to do an internal hire. That's what it sounds like, yes. Uh, can I be honest? I wouldn't be surprised if they they move up uh, Stan Bowman. 
Yeah, that's yeah. I thought of that too. So do what the Panthers did to Dave Talon a few years ago. Kick him up well, even, and hope he doesn't happen this year with uh, George McPhee, right? George, George McPhee took took up uh, president and um, now what? Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly McCrimmon is now GM, and and the same thing was kind of happening uh, in Detroit. Right, uh, they cut everyone knew Steve Eiserman was kind of moving his way to Detroit. Ken Holland was offered the position of president of hockey operations. He ended up moving to Edmonton, but I wouldn't personally be surprised if Stan Bowman is moved up to president, uh, and they bring someone else in to BGM. Can I, can I find this kind of funny? So, um for me, it feels like it's like if they bring up Stan Bowman, it's like damage control in a way where like, yeah, they're, they're promoting him, but he's not in charge of like doing those negotiations anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like Paul Holmgren. When, remember when he went to, when, on the Flyers, he did like the Briskolov, the Carter, the Richards trades. And then when they figured out like it wasn't going anywhere, they began Ron Hextall. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. And then Hextall does all the right things and then they, they can him. Yeah. Fools, fools, fools. The Blackhawks, also a really interesting franchise that you can say what you want about one of these people, but they've produced some pretty, you know, successful general managers over the two years, of course. Hughes Adams next to Mark Bergevin, but someone who has who has securely had a job for eight years in the Montreal Canadiens. And, of course, Kevin Cheveldayov is another one, uh, GM of the Winnipeg Jets, who, with everything going against him, has done a fantastic job. Uh, I'll tell you something that doesn't look to be very fantastic, though. Uh, and Steve Eisner, you mentioned him. He wasn't even a fan of this, and this is the best thing for his team. Anyway, though, the NHL looked to be pushing to have the draft, the NHL entry draft done in June, aka before a playoffs. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think this is a very good thing, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just read uh, everyone a little quick snippet from uh, Elliot Friedman's thirty-one thoughts, aka the Holy Bible of uh, hockey content. Quote: Friday night, after teams received the NHL's position papers on the possibility of a uh, of a June draft, there were several reactions. A couple were quote. They're really trying to convince us, aren't they? Yeah. Some will change from the opinion of this is terrible and I don't support it. Now, one expert I really want to uh, mention here is during a Fox Sports Detroit Facebook live chat on Thursday, Detroit GM Steve Eisman voices opposition to the idea. Quote, my thought is, why would you do that? Why would you need to do that, Eiserman said. There's a lot of things that are affected, obviously. The draft position hasn't been established. We don't know who's in the playoffs, who's out the playoffs in some cases. But at this time, my own opinion is I haven't heard a good reason why we should do it prior to the end of the season. If we do conclude the season over the course of the summer, end quote. And by the way, a key part of this proposition is the draft lottery uh, for Detroit, a.k.a. the team Eiserman runs, the worst case scenario for them would be second overall instead yeah. of fourth. And he's not even for it. Yeah. And he's guaranteed Byfield or Lafreniere or May- Stutzel, or wherever Stutzel. you want to take I, I, I think there's and I and you know, looking at our um, looking at the document we were looking at for today's episode, sorry. Um, I feel like I'm gonna be saying this a lot in that there's two ways to look well there's more than two ways but i think if we want to narrow it down there's two ways to look at why they want to do this um the first one 
or why they shouldn't and why they should. Number one, why they should do it is it it's obviously it's more business wise. Is Adam here? Adam's not. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, you're here. Sorry. Your video went what? out. My bad. Your video yeah. went out. I thought you left. Okay. Uh the first reason, like, you know, it's really purely business. You look at what the NFL did. The NFL had their best draft ever. And they did it online. Why? There's nothing else happening. There's a UFC event, pay-per-view event next Sunday. They're probably going to do extremely well. Any sport event right now would, in most cases, do very well. Because there's nothing else to do. Literally, what else are you going to do on a Saturday night, a Sunday night, a Monday night, whatever day of the week? There's nothing else. Um, it, it, the league that's been the most quiet, if you look at the big four leagues, the league that, that's been the most quiet has been the NHL. The NFL has had a draft. The NBA has pretty much like been leading the front on most of on most things. The MLB, they just did whatever they did to the Boston Red Sox. And they're also they're another one because they're supposed to be playing right now who's been on the forefront of saying, "Hey, let's get game started." Whereas the NHL, you know, we've talked about before, usually follows whatever the NBA does in the most part for them to branch off in this in this way and say, hey, we're going to have our draft these two days. Um, this is how we're going to do it. Makes sense from a business standpoint because they've been quiet. But <laughs> but if if I'm looking at the opposite side and I'm leaning more towards, hey, I, I don't really see how this works for the business within the NHL itself, not necessarily how it's attracting other people. I think it doesn't make sense to do a draft now simply because, uh, be, yeah, because there's so many different things that you have to fix. Where you're saying, okay, if we wait another month or another two months, and hey, we're not gonna have a and we're not gonna finish the season. Fine, wait. Apparently, we need another month to get ready for the draft, whether that be the lottery uh, set up, how are we going to run it, which is understandable. I can't imagine it's easy to run a draft online when you've never done it before. But right now, when you don't know what's happening, you know, we, we uh, I read online that Romanov isn't necessarily, he doesn't know if he's signing a contract now or if he's signing a contract when the season's officially canceled or, you know, whenever there's a lot of things up in the air. So what happens, you're going to draft, let's say Detroit drafts Alexis Lafreniere. Is Alexis Lafreniere playing in the, if they finish the regular season? My answer is no. My answer, he should not play. Right. Well, there's also the question of what happens if the CHL continue in the Memorial Cup canceled. get there because you imagine they already canceled that. It's officially canceled. Oh, okay, never mind. Those the well, the AHL hasn't officially canceled yet. It's it's what I've read. It seems like it's more likely that they're going to cancel their season too. 
But the CHL and the Memorial Cup, I'm uh, pretty sure all gone, like for the, the rest of the season. Now, here's, I, I think it's in 31 Thoughts 2, or it was uh, a couple days later, that here's what the league has suggested. So the first one is conditional trades, right? That's what a lot of people are saying. Uh, so the league would propose solutions. Uh, the team would have seven days to either reform the deal on terms acceptable to both or accept the NHL's idea. And I can imagine that, that is what the NHL is going to say is, okay, your first round pick, roll it back to the next year or roll it forward. <laughs> Um, the second one, using each team's point percentage to determine the order selection. Uh, that's under the current playoff format. So 16 teams would be out of the lottery and 15 would be in. I don't see that as an issue. I think if the season ends up being canceled, I think that's something they they look at doing either way. I don't see that being an issue. Uh, the last one, changing the lottery format this season only, picking just one winner and lim limiting any move up to a maximum of four spots. Which is reasonable. Yeah, let me read. So I know Vancouver, I think it was Jim Benning or someone from Vancouver came out and said that, hey, we're fine with this because they would rather give up, I think it was the conditional pick to the Devils because they own the. Um, yes. The pick that was originally the J.T. Miller deal um, that Tampa then sent to New Jersey for, which the exact player I can't remember, but Blake uh, Coleman. Blake Coleman, that was it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, instead of a, a pick that they don't know what's going to happen with next year, it just seems like a bit of a. It's just I I don't like it. I think it's really silly, especially like these are you know some deals like deals don't come together just like that. Now if it's a quick like. Matt Hendricks deal on deadline day, that's going to be nothing. But for the crazy conditions like a Vancouver JT Miller pick and that, I understand the circumstance, Daniel, but is it not a bit stupid that now the league are going to go out and just, you know, give ultimatums to team for deals that they really have no business uh, manipulating, I guess. Yeah, it's like they're trying to, like, restructure everything based on, like, okay, how can you get this done? Um I'm not really too sure how it's gonna go. I know with like the initial draft was a thing that happened, and if it's playoffs, um, so like the two things I thought about were like I agreed with like the NFL kind of showing like that set precedence how to set up like an online draft. I really kind of like I liked how they did it, and you know people are are sports deprived. They want they're gonna they're gonna tune in regardless what it's gonna look like online. I I think so. Um, Second, what I kind of thought about like the draft picks thing is if it comes before the playoffs, they could try to make something like kind of like the MLB where, you know, the draft happens during the season and they're going to like say unless they like make a contract right away, the guy doesn't play. He gets like set down or it just he's in the system, but he's not part of like the current playoff team or it's like. Same thing I'm going to take for the MLB, too, is, like, you have your set playoff teams already, like, 40 guys, for example, with the MLB, when the rosters expand, and then from that, like, everyone else get mm -hmm. so Those are kind of things that I kind of just thought about where, I guess, you know, we've talked about this before, but we didn't know how long this was going to drag on, but seeing that this is, like, a long-term thing, these are some things, like, worth considering, but 
like going back to that last point with the conditional picks um yeah i kind of agree like if you kind of push it another year you'll see where that goes but like it just it's interesting like i keep thinking of the san jose pick or like i'm thinking of that i know that's like already kind of locked in yeah but it's like yeah it's these kind of things where it's like dependent on if a team makes the playoffs or not uh it's like or like the best of the best or the worst of the pick i know like carolina gave that away uh, like one is like their pick or toronto's pick right to, to new york for uh brady Shea. it's like yeah, yeah brady which one it is yeah yeah well, the hot it's the one that is um i believe it's hot, the higher one yeah so you talked about the um san jose pick so this is from ian mendez he tweeted this out uh i think yesterday or a couple days ago so a June draft using the old system uh, would be the ideal situation for the Ottawa Senators. The Sens could only end up with these four top of draft scenarios. Number one and number three. Number two and number three. Number two and number four. Number three and number four. <laughs> so. That's good San for San Jose kind of shot themselves in the foot with that one. Uh, Hey, I don't think anyone expected them to be this bad, uh, especially this quickly. We knew it was going to happen, but Josh uh, Norris is the one who surprised me of that trade too. Like, I didn't I think, think. He, he developed like this. Great name for me. When I I remember seeing that trade, and I the first kind of thing I heard about it about Josh Norris was that he was buddies with Brady Kachuk, and I'm like, man, you did not make that deal yeah. because of that. That's no way you made that deal. Now he, I think he's proven himself. I think he's could be an NHL like obviously he's going to be an NHL player a matter of when mm-hmm. yeah you got some look at the NHL uh this year in games I remember I think his first one was against the Habs yeah. and hey you noticed him right so yes, yes. hey uh, we'll go to another pretty major subject that's uh, that's come up and that is something we talked about before the show started and that is the idea of the except sorry that exceptional player rule when it comes to maybe changing the cap a bit. Now, this is from KD Sports. Uh, this is a player agency. It's by two agents, Kurt, uh, Kurt Oak and Brian Schultzel. Schultzel. I know I'm not going to say that right, by the way. Uh, they represent players like Dylan Larkin. Um, uh, who's the guy in Nashville? Like, uh, Matthias Ackholm. Like that. There's a really funny thing in this article, by the way, when they mentioned Nathan McKinnon and him saying to uh, that he was going to take less. He's not a member of this group, so I thought they were trying to kiss his butt. But anyway, guys, there's nothing more boring than escrow and talking about the 50-50 split and all this type of stuff, right? Like, none of us, none of us like it. It's really the most boring thing, but anyway. And I don't understand so, it, so. Exactly. So one of the biggest issues with the league is when you look at comparable salaries from, and this is what they have very much on this article. It's on their uh, the KD Sports website. I'm going to read you guys the probably highest paid players of the big four sports leagues, being the NBA, NFL, MLB, and uh, NHL from the 1999-2000 season. Starting with Shaquille O'Neal making $17 million. Troy Aikman from the NFL making $10.7 million. Albert Bell in the MLB, 11.9, and Yarmir Yager in the NHL making $10.4 million. Now, again, this is 20 years ago. Now, let's compare. 
Now in the NBA, the highest paid player is James Harding, making $42.7 million, an increase of 149.5%. In the NFL, Russell Wilson, $35 million, 225% raise. Mike Trout in the MLB, uh, $35.5 million, nearly 200% increase. And in the NHL, Connor McDavid, 12.5 and only 20% increase. But there's a reason for that, right? Like it's more than it has for, for me looking at that. I don't think that has to necessarily do with the cap though, because three of the four leagues that you just talked about have an implementation of the cap. The only league that does not is like that doesn't have a hard hard cap is um, the MLB. Now, yeah, it does have luxury tax on, uh, the NBA has luxury tax. I don't know about the NFL. Uh, if they have a if they have a hard cap or if they have a soft cap. Uh, don't know off the top of my head. But either way, I think that's more uh, a idea of okay, what the how the sports have grown. Like if you go to the U.S. and you ask them to name the highest paid player in the NHL, most of them won't have an answer for you. Mm-hmm. Right, but if you say, "Hey, who's the highest paid player in the NBA? Highest paid player in the NFL, or even the MLB?" M- most of them will give you at least a top five answer. Yeah, I just wanted to just throw out like a quick little thingy there to show the NHL versus uh, versus that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to start with. It, it, I think, it, yeah, yeah, like I agree, there is absolutely a, a huge discrepancy. Um, what the reason for that is, I think, is more more because of how popular the sport is. Uh, you know, it's really... Hockey is extremely popular in Canada. Uh, and how many states in the U.S. is it as popular as it is in Canada? Most mm-hmm. states, I think, basketball beats it. Um, baseball and football 100% beat it. In most states in the most states in the u.s there's not a whole lot whole lot of places i can think of off the top of my head where the where hockey ranks the top mm-hmm. um, yeah i don't even think i could sorry go ahead oh no worries it's just pretty funny that just thinking about where uh we think about like the salary cap and i just think of like the pre 2005 days and like 2002 detroit red wings where literally half that team is in the hall of fame yeah so there was a funny thing. Uh, I was just going to explain the exceptional player. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go. So it's pretty much my understanding is that you have one player who does not account towards the cap. And I think that's a, it's an interesting idea. You know, it's very similar to a concept that they have in the NBA where if you're drafted by the team, I believe it's bird rights. Then you don't, and you want to, mm-hmm. ex, uh, you you sign an extension. If your extension puts a team over the cap, then that's fine. So yeah, because there's also player exceptions. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very with veterans. Um, it's a moderation of that rule, right? Kind of. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's an interesting concept. I think it would be a it would be an interesting idea to put in the future, because. Right now, thinking about it, 
there's again like i said there's two ways to really look at this is number one you look at it and say yeah you know elliot freeman uh when he tweeted out which is how i saw it he said that uh, it the nhl agent kurt overhart advocates for creation of an ex- of an exceptional player to ease salary cap concerns when nhl resumes teams using it could have to pay uh, a luxury tax tax to those who don't i think that's an interesting concept uh to say hey uh carry price is our exceptional player that's ten and a half million dollars in cap space austin matthews that's 11.6 million dollars in cap space you know for teams who spend close to the cap which are a lot of them and now considering that we don't know what's happening to the cap you know brian burke uh, has continuously said don't be surprised if we see a rollback like we did uh in 2004 2005 you know what what's going to happen to the cap because a team like tampa bay who's already so close to the cap what happens to them Mm-hmm. The, imagine the cap stays the same. They can't sign uh, Sergachev, uh, you know, Sorelli. They have all the. They have a, another group of players uh, that they have to resign, and now it's going to become an issue. Now, the reason I don't think they do this now is because you know it, it looks as an incentive for a team to spend over the cap by saying, "Hey, we're going to spend to the cap." Like, let's say the Leafs, the cap is eighty-one and a half million dollars. Um, hey, we're going to spend $81.5 million. Then we're going to make Austin Matthews an exceptional our exceptional player. That's $11.6 million. That's now off the cap, and they can spend more money on it. I don't know if they necessarily want teams doing that, um, particularly because there's not a whole lot of money going around right now, right? Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's potentially a billion dollars lost in revenue if they don't play again this season and i think you know potentially yeah. losing gate uh ticket revenue at the beginning of next season yeah i kind of agree with you with the whole rollback thing where they have to kind of find like a remedy to uh do something about that because like the way like these teams are built like you know these guys if they really want to go for it it's always at the cap and um it's funny when you like talk about like 2005. I remember when they got out of the lockout, that like they didn't have that exceptional player thing, and it literally killed dynasties. Like the Devils lost Scott Niedermeyer and Brian Rafalski, and then the Avalanche like lost Peter Forsberg, and then you know up until now, like that was the only time like they were really contenders. So it's kind of crazy to see how it's gonna go. But I agree. Like I think it, it's something that could happen. Something that I think that they should let teams do, especially with the expected revenue. You know, it's not like you're taking all these, you know, handful of teams. It's not like, I don't know, it's not like the New York Yankees where it's like, you know, spend to your heart's desire. It's like that one certain player you could kind of take and, you know, relieve that pressure off the roster, but still remain that competitiveness. And I think it's... um... I think this is potentially a good idea simply because, you know, you're introducing the idea of having a luxury tax in the league. And for me, I think it's a smart idea because, you know, there's a lot of teams in the league who who really can't spend to who won't be able to spend to that luxury tax level and won't and, and really um, 
could use the money. Like, there's the bottom five teams in revenue are like they're losing money. There's still teams in the league who don't make money, right? So to say, hey, Toronto, hey, Montreal, uh, Boston, the Rangers, even let's say the Blackhawks, those are teams. Well, the Blackhawks when they're when they're doing well, those are teams who can spend to over the over the soft cap and. Revenue could go towards, let's say, um, the teams who don't make money. Now with this kind of step back, you know, we we were taking it always looked like we were taking step forward. It's like, um, you know, we really saw a lot of players get paid double digits. You know, it started with Connor McDavid. How often are you going to see that now? Because you know we've taken these steps for these steps forward. Now we've taken a step back. You know what's the TV? What's the TV deal going to look like? You know we were so hyped up. I remember talking about the salary cap, uh, the implications with the TV deal, with Seattle coming in now more revenue coming, in, what that could mean for the cap. And we're talking about it going to a hundred million within five to ten years. We are not going to hit that hundred million um, unless things really turn around. You know, hopefully, like if, if they find a vaccine. Are we going back to hockey games in in September? Like, there's a lot of things that have to go right for things to turn around quickly. For sure. Mm-hmm. One of the really interesting parts of the article, and I was waiting for this to come up, is that apparently NHL players wouldn't really like the exceptional player rule because they're so that the damn hockey culture idea of I don't want to make this much more than the boys. And then just not seeing how like how awesome this could be if all of a sudden the Oilers got twelve million dollars to spend, or the Habs had ten million dollars. What's like, so? What? I don't see. For me, I don't see what the difference is between them being, like them being an exceptional player status or not. Like Connor McDavid still making twelve and a half million dollars either way. Austin Matthews is making eleven. No, they make more Pardon? because they're exempt. They're exempt from like the seven. I believe it was the the exact player actually gets excluded from like the escrow on that. So they they do make more money, and that's the problem for NHL players. They would be making that much more because there's like seven key elements of like salary they have to pay, like the insurance, obviously the escrow stuff, yeah. and and all that sort of stuff. And like and yeah, you're you're talking about like salaries now. NHL players like we all knew that they already got screwed from escrow. And they're, like, paying their agents, but they just get, like, the fact that for so long we were all thinking, hey, this is sweet, Seattle's going to get the players more money, and then that's somehow not player-related revenue, yeah, sorry, uh, not hockey-related revenue, is so freaking dumb. Uh, the players just getting screwed, but uh, a league that their players are actually now on the right foot, the NCAA are taking, like, this is a pretty step for them. Uh, just a quick thing from an NPR article here. In a significant quote for uh, in a significant shift for college sports, the NCAA's top governing body said it supports a rule change allowing student athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness so long as the college university they attend do not directly pay them. So that basically means if you're Nike, Adidas, any of that kind of stuff, sponsorships, all that sort of stuff, ads. For these players, that and let's be honest, if there's been one criticism towards the NCAA, it's not paying players, and now at least players have a route to make some money. Yeah. So, yeah. 
that's that's huge um and i think we talked about it a couple weeks ago and you know the the g league uh kind of coming in and you know we might see a couple bigger players do that now uh but you know the fact that you can go to college like zion went to college right for that year and i think he got a hundred million dollars right after he declared for the nba yeah for the nba draft from a shoe deal yeah. Right. So now imagine you can do that during the year. It, it, it's completely different. And you know what the best thing is for for us <laughs> is how we might get to see the NCAA in the NHL video games. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Korea, Korea the player is so finicky, too. It'd be nice to just create a university. Yeah, yes. that'd be sick. I love that. The Ryerson actual, like, you know, some sweet, yeah. like, uh, what I re- another quick little thing here. There's been some, we're going to talk about some signings now. Now, Alex, uh, you've been the real MVP for the show lately that you have been all over these European, European signings uh, on the Instagram page. So do you want to take it? And, uh, and tell us a there, bit about some there's a couple of players. Them. There's a couple of them that I'm interested in. You know, Artem Zub, uh, I believe he played in the KHL. Uh, there was talks of him coming to the NHL. He signed with the Ottawa Senators. That's just another guy to add there to add to their uh, D collection. Twenty four. He played with St. Petersburg last year. Uh, Twenty put up thirteen goals, uh, and tw- for twenty two points. That, that could be an interesting addition right-handed. A guy that hasn't actually been signed yet that I'm pretty big on, or not big on, like I think it'd be interesting, is Miko Lettinen. Uh, uh. He was playing for Jokerit in the KHL. They uh, mutually agreed to terminate his contract. And a couple teams are interested in them. And, you know, there's one team who really needs a left-handed defenseman. I'm not pointing any fingers to a particular person in this call. <clears throat> Adam. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, I, I saw the moment I saw. He's not a player I've heard of, but then once the, the moment that it came out that he was leaving yeah. his, uh, his yeah. team, it was like, this guy's great, great, great. One of the defensemen outside the NHL, one of the best. So He had a really good hey. season. In- yeah, he, he uh, like he's been their leading scorer for a few years too. No, so he played. So this was his first year in the KHL, uh, playing for Jokerit. So Finland, yeah. uh, sixty games, forty nine points, plus twenty six. Do you have his uh, his DB up right now, or at least prospects, whatever? Yeah. What did uh, his previous seasons look like? So the 2018-19, he played for uh, in the SHL for HV71. I'm not sure what team that is. Uh, 24 points the year before that. Played in Liga, so I believe that's Finland for Tapera Tampere. Uh, 20, yeah. 29 points. Uh, and two years in 2016-17, Gugu that's the team he played for in Liga. <laughs> 25 points in 43 games the year before that uh same team 22 points like he see like and that's 21 and you know for a defenseman yeah. to play in Finland at the age 21 seems like you know he knows what he's doing yeah that's a that's a good player so whatever uh, team would- gets him i think it's this is probably one of the bigger prospects that um 
that has signed that would sign here for this year. Yeah, uh, another player that has signed. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Um, are there any other of the European guys you want to talk to us about? Uh, well, there's just a shout out here to Linus Sandin, Rasmus's yeah. brother. <laughs> uh, last European one, uh, not a free agent, but a draftee, uh, Neil Niles Hoglander, um, from Vancouver, uh, second round pick last year, 2019, played in the SHL for Rogel. For, put up 14 points, 8 goals. Uh, he was at the World Juniors, put up 11 points. Yeah, he was He was the first player this year to pull off the Michigan goal right overseas, though. Yes. Yeah. And he's probably their best prospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he got thrown out of the game against Canada, I think, and everyone was like, oh, boy, yeah. there goes uh, there goes their best weapon. But, hey, I hate the Bruins because they have so many weapons, and I hate when things go right for them, lads. Yurislav Halak has extended with the Bruins for another year. Uh, his cap it will be $2.250 million, a guy that a lot of Habs fans looked at and thought, that's a guy who's been a really good beat. He's got history of the organization. And, no, he just re-signs with the Bruins, guys. So what do we think of the Bruins, another thing going right for them? I think that's a crazy sign, uh, and in a good way. Mm-hmm. In a good way, because this guy, I'm going to pull up his stats right now, has been spectacular for this team. He This year he played in uh, 31 games, 18-6-6, uh, six six, a 9-19 save percentage, and he's 34. He's going to be 35 in 10 days. He probably would have gotten more for the longer term on the open market. Oh, yeah. For sure. Do you know? So he was drafted by Montreal. Obviously, I assume, Adam, you knew that. He was drafted in 2003 when they had nine rounds. Drafted nine in the ninth round, 271st overall. He's he's been around. Of course, I had traded to the Blues for the Lars Eller. And he's just been around. Daniel, what do you make? Another contract for Holy who really is a journeyman. We thought his career was done with the Islanders, but yeah. the Bruin and his careers, it's another chapter. I think, like, a tough nostalgia. I always remember him for that 2010 run to the conference finals with Montreal. That was really fun watching him. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, it's the kind of thing where, like, when he went to Boston, you know, it was like short term, low risk, but I could kind of, I kind of felt like, he really was on the decline. Like even in St. Louis, he didn't really look kind of right. To be honest, like I think he lost that momentum. But like now, as he's getting older, he's really gaining that. And I think, you know, it's keeping Tukarask fresh. Um, it's arguably like he's stealing games for them, and it just—it's like the thing I like we talk about. It's just—it's another thing. It's like man, Boston hit on this again. Yeah. God, I hate everything about that team. Everything about them. Uh, we'll finish off the power hour here by, ladies and gentlemen, it's the return of Read of the Bye Week. So, Alex, do you have a Read of the Bye Week? Yeah, it's an actual book, though. All right. It's not an article. <laughs> hey, <that's laughs> so, I, I've been reading, uh, or at least I've been trying to read like two chapters a day. And I had finished this a couple days ago. Uh, it's called Young Leafs. Uh, I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, it's pretty much, it's about the 15, the 16, 17 season, sorry, uh, for the Leafs, you know, they talk about, uh, 
Matthews, they talk about Nylander, they talk about Marner, Zaitsev, Brown, Hyman, all these guys that really built the team. And to be honest, I learned a couple of new things about the team. So, read of the mm-hmm. week. Gary Joyce wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Daniel. Okay, so um, it's pretty funny. Uh, I like to go offbeat with a lot of these things because, you know, everyone's on that hype about the last dance for Michael Jordan. Yes. Yeah. So I actually started reading a bunch of articles, like recent ones and past ones, too, about his baseball career. Right. So uh, there's one by T- Steve Wolf. Um, he's one of the senior writers at ESPN. And they were actually like, talking about what it felt to have, like, Michael Jordan in the minors for the uh, Chicago White Sox. And, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, they talked about, like, how he really struggled. But there's a guy that, like, because of his, like, you know, his athletic ability, uh, his strength, and his, like, determination, this guy, if he stayed in the MLB, in, like, in the minor leagues, he might have made it to the majors. And that's, like, crazy to me because we always keep talking about, like, basketball. Like, this is a guy where he, at the age of, what, like, 32, decided, okay, I'm going to play baseball. And almost. <laughs> Done. That's that. Multi-sport athletes are incredible, yeah. but doing it on being arguably the best basketball player of all time, and then almost making it in the MLB, like what? That's ridiculous. Adam, that's uh, not an argument. He's my, the best basketball player. He is. Hey, people will say LeBron. I mean, I don't agree. I don't know enough about basketball. But. Uh, Pascal Siakam. Oh. Is Mac Biombo? You remember that one, Adam? <laughs> I only remember Bismack Biombo because of his name. Yeah, and oh, he okay. had a personality. There you I go. Would, yeah, he was great. He was great on the Raptors. I liked him. When they lost him, a guy in my history class, a guy named Cody, was so upset. Cody CC? He was de- <laughs> Hey, hey, watch it. Did yeah, not go to high school. <laughs> watch it, dude. Was- <laughs> you know Tampa Bay prospect Taylor Radish? Yeah. Yeah. I went to high school with him. Do you know him? Wow. Get on the phone. I don't. My, my buddy Ethan played lacrosse with him, actually. So maybe you. Okay. No surprise. Sick lacrosse player. I'll yeah. try, though. You know, what's it like playing for the most broken organization ever? Even though you could be traded any time for an all-star because Tampa Bay. You, you say broken uh, we don't organization? Have a as in, it's just not fair. Oh, like, how okay. you play video, uh, like, like, that character. Not, no. It's hacked. <laughs> yeah, they're hacking. Yeah. Uh, he even found the cheat codes. He's got dirt. Uh, we don't. We do not. Even though the read the bye week is back, we don't have a pop quiz yet. Yet. Emphasis on yet. They yeah. will come back. Was uh, episode eleven the last episode of Clone Wars? No, episode twelve is. So this this Friday is is the end of everything. So oh, yeah. I gotta catch Sunday. up by then. Yeah. D- d- next yeah. Sunday, I gotta watch seven seasons this week. <laughs> next Sunday <laughs> we're gonna have a pop quiz on Star Wars: The Clone Wars. All right. Yes. Season seven. Season seven. I don't want to make you guys study too hard here. That's cool. It's no, one season you. per day. You can do it. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I enjoy. We could. Yeah. Be surprised. Yeah. I, I would. It's a. Sh- you can watch it at your own pace, honestly. And you can skip. Like, if there's an episode just Jar Jar, you can skip it. <laughs> uh, but if there's. Like- Speaking of Clone Wars, I was having a conversation last night as I was playing Fortnite with my friends. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? 
My favorite Star Wars character is also my favorite character in all of fiction. That's Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker, okay. So Darth Vader too, or just Anakin Skywalker? Um, you know, Anakin. Because Dar- you know, I know Darth Vader is a bad guy, but you know he's pretty badass. Oh yeah, like, like you said, Rogue One. Yeah, like I think if I had to choose one, it honestly might be Anakin slash Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And I know it's so weird to say, but yeah, or Yoda, just because he talks backwards, and I love it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I, I know I- earlier, Daniel, I asked you about Daniel, Clone Wars guy, but who's your favorite Star Wars in the whole grand scheme of things? Um, it's gonna have to be Coleman Trebar, the uh, dinosaur-looking Jedi that tries to attack Count Dooku, but shot by uh, Jango Fett during the uh, arena battle in Geonosis. <laughs> that guy. Wow. All right. Yeah, you know that guy almost ended the Clone Wars right then and there. You know, he's a hero. I don't know what to say to you. There are so many Jedi. There's so, and you choose the the quote dinosaur-looking guy who tried to kill Dooku and got shot by Jango. Yeah, he almost ended the Clone Wars for like you know that you know that, like even started. Yeah, even before it started, I remember like you were rude for him. I remember I was a kid. Like his figure was like the hardest to find, and then I checked on like on eBay, and like his it's, it's like people have caught on. It's like two hundred dollars <laughs> for like a small figure. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! And, like when when I order T six, and I'm hoping, man, they're gonna survive this one. But you're thinking, man, he's gonna he's gonna kill Christopher Lee right here. Watch. Yeah. Before the New Zealand dude kills him. Uh, guys, though, let's finish off today's episode with the main attraction, the first annual two-on-one podcast award showcase of excellence and achievement celebration trademark. Anyway, uh, so basically here, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go through all the main awards. We're not going to do like the community service one, even though P.K. Subban should win it every year. Don't mind me. So we're going to go through the Jack Adams, Jim Gregory, Most Improved, Vesna, um, the Fulton Reed, Best Defenseman, and uh, an exclusive two-on-one podcast, the James Norris, the Calder, the Selkie, Lady Bing, and the MVP, which will have a special name, which we will keep hidden. And each of us will have three personal awards, and we will save those for last? Or do you want to do those now, guys? Uh, let's just mm. do them now, so I can get my Leafs bias out of the way. Alright. All right. Um, then since... So yeah, then, then, then Alex, you started off. What are your three okay. awards? Um, most improved player. I put Austin Matthews. Really? And I'll tell you why. Yeah, you know, he had a struggling start of the year, but so did half of the Leafs, and he was still putting up goals. He ended the year with 47 goals um, in uh, 70 games played. But his two-way game took an absolute... For me, personally, I thought he took a huge step forward. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that's been talked about, you know, since the day he came, since his first game. I remember my first criticism of Austin Matthews was the um, was overtime against the Ottawa Senators, his four goal game, um, and he pinched instead of 
staying in the neutral zone, and that's how we lost. Um, but I think this year, you know, since Sheldon Keefe kind of took over, even towards the end of Mike Babcock's time with the Leafs, he really took that full step forward in his two-way game and is starting to become that complete player a lot of Leaf fans uh, thought he was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. My comeback player of the year is my second personal award. And I have to... It, this is all just a F you to all the the haters out there. It's William Nylander, okay? You know, fine, he didn't have a good season last year. There's obviously reasons for that, but he came in and just said, screw all of you, you guys all suck, turn off your Twitter machines, because you don't know what you're talking about, and proved everyone wrong, except one of the mm-hmm. old white guys sitting, still sitting at his computer, okay? Um... My, my last one is uh, best newcomer, and that's co- uh, not player, but that's coach. And my pick is not Sheldon Keefe, okay? Not everything, I'm shocked. Not everything's about the Leafs. It's L.A. Nazardeen, New Jersey Devils. That's a okay. good shout. Okay. The team went 9-13-4. and four. With, uh, with uh, John Hines. We all thought it was a complete dumpster fire. Taylor Hall's gone. Uh, we all thought it was the end of the world. Corey Schneider was not very good. Alain Nasruddin comes in December 3rd. 19-16-8. The rest of the way. Yeah, you know, there's a list of players, I, uh, coaches I could have selected. You know, I, I could have went with DJ Smith. Uh, that was one of the guys I really want to go with because, you know, he took the other Senators and they played an interesting, an actually interesting brand of hockey, even though they really sucked. Mm-hmm. But I think to take the team that we all thought was absolute garbage and have them play above five, like, not technically above 500, but by NHL standards, technically above 500 hockey, I think is impressive. Those right. are my three personal awards. Daniel. Okay, I kind of like three with an honorable mention. Of course you do. Okay, so my first one is for personal awards is the Nostalgia Award. Two guy. Well, it, you know, it's it's two winners for this that, you know, they they they're still going pretty solid. Not too many uh, health injury like injuries, but like, you know they're definitely gonna be in the Hall of Fame when it's all over. So it's a Daniel Chara yeah. and Ryan Miller. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> I call that the we're, nostalgia we're award. What award in? He already says he has what? an honorable mention, and he, his first award has two winners. Hey, hey, Alex, can you just remind me uh, what team does Brian Miller play for? Uh the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> All right. Continue, Daniel. Okay. Um. My, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this one. So my carrying the weight award <laughs> goes to John Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, why does he get John Gibson get the carrying the weight award? (laughs) Okay, you know, I don't believe it's a, like, you know, like, the Ducks are doomed by any, like, measure or anything. You know, they're going to regroup. Like, they know how to draft deep. They don't have to always get that top pick to make something happen. But, you know, this year, really, like, the growing pains were so evident. Like, Gestaff was still pretty consistent when he was healthy. 
but that's about it like on the team like no one else was healthy and then the young guys kind of just came in and you know had their growing pains but like he, John Gibson was really their only consistent I think this year yeah you know his numbers were down but you know it's you know, like the team's not completely like okay I'm sorry they're not the Detroit Red Wings right right now they're uh, not in, a pile anyway. of dinosaur crap yes like it's it could keep on going. Um, Is there an honorable, honorable mention for carrying the weight award? Um, There's one that comes to mind for me, but I was gonna say Leon Dreisaitl. To be honest, really? Yes, okay. because he, you know, he excelled. Like the, the Oilers are still do, doing pretty well, right? And then, like, it just reminded me of like what we're gonna talk about later, but. Um, it reminded me of like a 2011 Corey Perry when he won the Hart Trophy, where Getzlaf was injured for the rest of the season, and then he just went off, and he was able to carry the team. So, like, honorable mentions Leon Draisaitl. All right, uh, all right. Let's let's not egg on any more honorable mentions because we have like 12 awards. Okay, all right. Okay, um, let's go. Let's go. Last, my last one is NCAA award. Um, so you know we've been really looking at players coming in and i think like you know the undisputed one right now is adam fox you know of course i talked about edit like how he kind of show i mean like honorable mention to that one is brian lingren but i was just talking about adam fox um i think you're missing someone you're missing two players yeah you're missing two daniel (laughs) you're gonna give the best ncaa players to adam fox and not quentin hughes and kale mccarr it's like (laughs) <laughs> that's that's for something we're gonna talk about <laughs> in other words. Yeah, so, um, but I'm gonna go like it's like for me when I look for the NCAA award, you know, if this hypothetically because it's not real, I mean Hobie Baker, but you know, I'm talking about NHL level mm-hmm. is um, guys that were not drafted in the first round. Okay. Yeah. So like that's a criteria. So it's a guy that you know not necessarily like a top pick, like you know Adam Fox was 66th. Yeah. And the one thing else, NCAA, they absolutely dominated. You know, we what we talked about with Chase last year was like these that platform, the NCAA, to kind of develop your skills if you're not necessarily like a top end pick, and then you come to the NHL and you absolutely like like tear it up. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. Yes. Uh, all right. I'll keep it at that. I had other honorable mentions, I'm but we'll keep it, it at that. Surprised it wasn't uh, Trevor Zegras, even though he played zero games this year. And uh, you know, it. <laughs> It was. I was gonna say Troy Terry as like a Ducks bias, but I was like, you know, like no, like, I can't. I can't do it like that. Okay. Man, <laughs> maybe next year. Maybe wait. First annual. All right. Um, my first is the jaw drop moment of the year, and it's just like something incredible to me. A fantastic highlight. And this isn't me just going against Leafs, but it's uh, it's Connor McDavid's goal fair. versus Leafs when he just undressed. See, you know it's big in hockey if it has more than 20,000 views on YouTube? Yeah. His goal versus the Leafs, at least, has, I think, 400K. Yeah. And sports could not stop posting about it for two weeks. I was there, and I like I was in awe. Like, I was in awe. Yeah. I'm like, what just – I was so confused at what just happened in front of me. Man, even if when you watch it back, and Alex, oh. yeah, you can talk to him over there, the, the noise from the crowd is like, what? what? Yeah. It's no sad. one had any idea what just happened. You I could sad for Morgan Riley. Yeah, <laughs> he probably went back to the bench, said like, "What? What could I have done? <laughs> what you want from me?" Yeah, no idea. No, yeah, I feel bad. 
uh, I have the Brad Moshan Embarrassment Award of Embarrassment. This is the first annual award for this, and it goes to the most embarrassing moment of the year. And the inaugural winner is Brad Marchand for having the worst shootout attempt that will ever exist. Good effort. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. yeah, great effort. He didn't even – he should have followed Gordon Bombay's teaching. Cradles the puck, Brad. He just went over it. And uh, my final one is the Gordon Bombay Trophy, given to Power Move of the Year. And I had to give it to the Edmonton Oilers in their retaliation to David Riddich's stick flip. When they went in and kicked the flames up and down the ice, goalie fights, Nugent Hopkins fighting, just uh, fighting Monaghan, just full Kachuk versus Cassian. Complete madness. So bad that Riddick gets chased out and has to come back in. Like, it is an inc- it is it is the power move of the year for me. And uh, Gordon Bombay would be proud, Edmonton. I've gained a lot more respect for you this year. So, lads, right. let's go by each award and we'll see who gave uh, who which award. Starting with the Jack Adams Trophy, Coach of the Year. Alex, I want to start with you because I think I know who you're going to say. Okay, so... I had this is one of them that I had a couple honorable mentions for, mm-hmm. or at least put other coaches I could have picked. Um, obviously, Dave Tippett uh, out of Edmonton. You know, we talked about the Edmonton Oilers at the beginning of the year having uh, Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen as their <clears throat> duo at the back. Uh, we weren't really sure about their defense. Like Ethan, we weren't really sure about a Ethan, someone like Ethan Bear. Uh, you know, obviously Adam Larson. There's still a lot of hate on the guy for getting traded for Taylor Hall. Uh, we all thought Connor McDavid couldn't play. Uh, sorry, Leon Dreisaitl couldn't play without Connor McDavid. Jesse Puljujarvi was still unsigned. There was all these question marks around the team, and they kind of came out just literally blazing. Uh, Connor McDavid got injured. Leon Dreisaitl stepped up. That's I think you know, Dave Tippett brought a completely different. Um, atmosphere to the team that I I think other coaches really weren't able to. Uh, the other one, John Tortorella. Oh boy, Tarts. Obviously, you know, the team was literally depleted massively throughout the year uh, in different areas. First with, uh, you know, goalies, defense, forwards. They're literally just bringing up random names no one's ever heard of. And, you know, they even had to bring up uh, Liam Foody from the London Knights. Right, so that that's another thing just to add in there. And John Tortorella was there. The team, you know, obviously wasn't as good as last year with Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, uh, Dezingle. You know, they only really brought in one big guy in Nyquist. And Merzlinkins uh, really stepped up. We all There was this big hype. But John Tortorella, I think, really proved himself, uh, you know, we all talk about him being that angry guy and players have come like I've heard interviews with players saying you know that's not his men- really his mentality anymore yes he still gets angry but he doesn't lose it like you know we we expect him to um, mm-hmm. but my coach Jack Adams coach of the year is Alain Vigneault my pick yep. from the beginning of the year, the Flyers second in the um, in the Metro. Metro. If they decide to finish out the year, they could potentially finish first. They are in the hunt for that for that uh, division spot. They, 
I, I don't think I really had them, um, you know, going into the off season. I don't necessarily think I had them going into the playoffs just because I didn't know what the team was, right? Or at least not finishing first in the division. I think I had them as a wild card spot, obviously, because uh, we thought all thought Montreal was going to be a different team. We all thought Florida was going to be a different team. Um, we didn't expect the Rangers to be as good as they were. So they're still – they are the one team that I think out of any team in the league really improved other than the Oilers. I think – but I think Alain Vigneault really stepped, up, stepped it up with the Flyers. Daniel. Um, for me is – I think I've talked about this quite a bit on this podcast is um, my unanimous, I guess, coach of the year is John Tortorella. Right. Um, not I Dallas think I've talked Seekins. about it before. I love watching that Dallas Eakins. Not yet, not yet. You know, growing, growing pains. But um, I kind of felt that same thing Alex kind of said. You know, hollowed out roster. Um, but you know, it was, okay, they don't necessarily play the trap system. But you know, great defensive team. You know, they've been able to grind it out, and it's just been exciting for me personally to watch. Like you know, we talk about Seth Jones. We talk about Zach Rowensky, we talk about like the goalies, like Corpusello and Bruce Lincolns, but for me, and this is a guy I wish I could have given him another award that we're going to talk about later on, but it's Marcus Nurivara. Um, okay. You know, you know, he had a lot of injury problems this year, like he only played 37 games, but he's been absolutely solid for them. Like he's, as he was a seventh round pick, underrated guy, came into the league a bit later, you know, he was like 23. Um, when he finally like got everything going together for him, but it's very under guy, someone that you don't really look at that John Tedder has been able to kind of put into that defensive core and make you know find some fl- fluidity in there. Um, mm-hmm. I like that John Cooper, but like eventually when I was making this, I'm like you know like mm-hmm. that team is just too stacked. So like I went with Columbus. Like right. um, honorable mention is Mike Sullivan. Okay. For what he's been able to do with the Penguins when Crosby and Malkin are injured, but you know they even without those two guys, like they have so much depth. Right. Jake Gensel like going off without Brian like the centers. Was... Yeah. I, and I think that's one thing. I think uh, I, we haven't heard Adams yet, obviously, but just from the two coaches that uh, Daniel and I have picked, it, it kind of goes off board of what the NHL or whoever's voting really picks for coach of the year. You usually look like I think John Cooper won it last year, or was it Barry Trotz? I don't remember which coach it was. It's like the team who literally did the best. Yeah. <laughs> the no, it was the, the the team that you were supposed to be bad, but you got in. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, no, yeah. it was because the Islanders were not supposed to be good, and Barry did win. That's it. true. That's true. But they when was John Cooper? There was a year that John Cooper won. Was it? Not? I will was it not. Uh, I'll look at the Jack. Or at Adams. least the consensus was it felt like that John Cooper was going to win the Jack Adams Award last year because he had the best year. Um, I will quickly, the last few of the winners, Trotz, Gallant, Tortorella, Trotz again, Hartley, Patrick Waugh. Then I have uh, no idea what I'm thinking. Never mind me. He's definitely stupid been the fun. Yeah, yeah, should have won. Stupid me, stupid me. No worries, no worries. Um, he should have won. It's like how Quinville, I only, I don't think Quinville even has a jacket. Adams, but he should have like four. Uh, my coach 
Gear is a guy who I gave credit to this guy's general manager earlier, and I'm going to give credit to this coach, and that's Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets, just because I look at what this poor guy has to work with on yeah. defense, and it is just nothing. And he is somehow, with the help of Connor Hellebuck, fair enough, but has gotten a team that also, it seemed like there were some locker room cracks last year, and Maurice at the head of that has seemed to have brought all those guys together, and, I mean, you look at the work that him and Patrick Laine have been able to do. Laine finally turned into a complete player. Uh, you know for a fact Paul Maurice is a big part of that. So, um, yeah, mine's very, you know, clear cut. Yeah, clear and concise here. Uh, Paul Maurice, I love him. I don't know why Jets fans don't seem to like him, but uh, I, I love Paul Maurice. Uh, and he's a great quote, too, underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, why don't you start us off with the newly named Jim Gregory Award for general manager of the year. Okay. Uh, just fucking with Paul Maurice, I just remember when you said the things he had to deal with. Uh, when he came to Toronto, that was when they got Andrew Raycroft as their starting goalie. So I just <laughs> remember that Raycroft with Paul Maurice. Andrew so. you decide. I know. Well, I mean, Andrew Raycroft had the better equipment, so I'd love to see him more on the ice. I don't know. Okay, oh, it's actually one, like, fact. I remember when they did an interview. Sorry, I'll go to it, but just a random fact. I remember Vesa Toscala was when they uh, the Leafs traded him and Jason Blake for uh, our favorite guy, Jean-Sebastien Giguere. Um, they, um, he looked kind of weird because he was at the Ducks practice with his Leafs equipment still on. And they asked Toscala about, like, so what are you going to do with that? Like, why are you not changing it? And then he's like, oh, you know, just, like, some equipment issues. And um, I can't wait to wash off that white and blue off my equipment. And I was just like, yeah, I automatically like I forget everything about this guy. Like, Sorry, like, after that you he said something like that. My bad. Sorry, you let it go too yeah, that, that's, that's, away. Jeez. Like, I just yeah. remember he said that, but like, okay, going in, uh, Jim McGregory. Um, sorry, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking of. Thinking of Andrew Croft now. You know, <laughs> he had a, he had that one up thing. You know, he never really said too nothing bad about the leaves. Um, so Jim Gregory Ward, I'm gonna have to go with um, Don Sweeney. To be honest, I know that was this one was kind of a hard one to pick for me because of the whole Boston thing. But like looking back on his signings, the trades he did, like the Andre Kasha trade, he's just been able to get guys. Like I thought about um, Charlie Coyle like a few years back about he's like these underrated one trades that. No, right, keep going, keep going. Oh, underrated trades where you don't really disrupt anything, where uh, you're able to kind of just keep adding to this core that, for some reason, like Richard Bergeron, you know, he's still amazing at his age, or like what Marshawn or uh, Krejci are getting into their 30s, like you're able to still build this team. Um, so, you know, he hasn't rocked the boat like he did in 2015 no. with all those uh, lottery, those those uh, draft trades, but he's been able to do something great, and the fact that I know he gave the Ducks have a lot of cap space, so the fact that he gave away, he got rid of David Backus's contract and didn't have to retain any salary is pretty amazing. Fair enough, uh, Alex. Uh, my GM of the year actually goes to Julian Breezebois. I'll tell you why. Number one, he got rid of Ryan Callahan. He got rid of. Ryan, right? He was the yeah, he was the GM yeah. who said, "Hey, Ottawa, why you take Ryan Callahan and a fifth round pick for Mike Condon?" 
like uh, what? <laughs> I remember I was so upset about that trade because Ottawa literally just said, "Hey, we'll, well take, I, we'll I re- take him." I remember that episode well. It was like, what the hell? Um, you signed Braden Point to that beautiful contract. Three. I know it's only three years, but that's three years that you'll have Braden Point for on a nice deal. Uh, you're setting up the team around you. you. You, Yes, you had to get rid of, sorry, two firsts, but you brought in a guy like Barclay Goudreau. That's a good middle six player. You bring in a guy uh, in Blake Coleman. Yes, you had to get rid of Nolan Foote and a first, but that's a guy you have this year and you have next year, both in Goudreau and Blake Coleman. These are guys you have this year and next year when there's going to be a cap crunch either way, right? You still got to re-sign Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, you still have to re-sign... Uh, Anthony Sorelli, right? So I think he's done a really good job at kind of bringing in low-cost players for not just this year, for next year. And another one, you know, how about Curtis McElhaney? Yeah. that's I haven't heard a single thing about Curtis McElhaney, and I'm pretty sure that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. He's making 1.3, still a solid backup at the age of 36 right so it seems like he's really worked the team um to to not just for this year but for next year as well yeah he had to give a first round picks and some prospects not a big deal for that team at all because they're just pumping prospects like there's no tomorrow yeah all right uh my gm of the year is actually a bit off the board i'm giving it to pierre dorian okay I look at the work that the Sens have done as a rebuilder, and I think they've done a very, very good job of it. Now, and I'm not going to get mad at him for the Nemnestikov stuff. I look at the stuff of the Carlson trade, yeah, we looked at it and said at the time, oh boy, that doesn't look quite good. But then since then, you look at what Sharks pick is going to be. Um, you know, you look at the Mark Stone deal getting Eric Bransom. You look at the Jean-Gabriel Pajot deal. It's just, you know, they've seemed to, with, you know, him getting his own help, it looks like Bobby Ryan's starting to be turn things around a bit. And oh I, I look at, yeah, incredible story for him. I just look at everything the Sens have done, except for, you know, maybe some stuff with Melnick towards the end of the season. But strictly the job here, excuse me, there's a motorcycle again. Uh, I look at just the job Pierre Dorian has done, and uh, I think he's done a really, really good job. Yeah, I would have picked Pierre Dorian too, but the fact that the Ryan Callahan trade and you get nothing of these, like you look at what other teams have done, um, and you trade for Vlad Nemestikov to only get a fourth for next year, really kind of pushed it down a little bit. But I really think that Pierre Dorian has really done a good job with this team, though. Mm hmm. Uh, they just so many great prospects, especially in the back end. We forgot Lassie Thompson, the guy we talked about on the show before. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, and then sticking. I'd say stick of Ottawa for the next award. Alex, I know you named yours, but I'm going to most improved player of the year. I was going to go with William Nylander, but looking back, I think if you had a brain, you knew he was going to be good again. So I'm actually going to give mine to Anthony Duclair, yeah. who. Uh, who has just really turned his career around, an all-star. Uh, fantastic. Anthony Duclair. Uh, Daniel, your most improved player of the year. All right, this one might be a bit cliche. Like, at first when I thought about it, I didn't think of it, but there's so many articles on it, and, like, hypothetical Olympic teams have them on it, and we've talked about it as well. 
Uh, it's Jonathan Huberto, and it's not just because of the season, but just the progression he's kind of had throughout his career. Like, you know, he's third overall. Um, personal favorite of mine at the World Juniors 2012. <laughs> and um, the fact that he's, like, really coming to his own now at 26, uh, he's been able to kind of show, like, you know, he... It's not just Alexander Barkov on defense, uh, on, defense on offense mm-hmm. on that team. Like, he... You know, Florida, like, you take what they are for how they are right now but he's been a guy that i think that you know he's has the potential for to be a star and Mm -hmm. i he's consistent at it so he's my most improved yeah 10th overall according to some people at nhl.com brandon Uh, sad is better right oh my gosh yes yeah i uh, yeah and I thought, oh boy, is that an episode I need? I, I, I bet Daniel's not too happy about a certain goalie being placed over another goalie. Yeah. That was brutal. That was brutal. That was brutal. Yeah, anyway, though, like, Get out of here. Alex, how about you? We're talking about goalies, so why don't you tell me who you're going to award the Vesna Trophy Goalie of the Year? Uh, we talked about this team. We talked about this goalie earlier. Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. Went 31-21-5, was really the backbone of that team the entire year. You know, that defense, losing Bufflin, losing Truba, losing Myers, uh, losing Ben Sherratt even. Like, you think about all these guys that they lost. Still put up decent numbers, 9-2-2 save percentage, uh, six shutouts. That's Uh, gross. And, you know... I think there was, you know, Vasilevsky had a weird start to the season. That's another guy that could have been uh, a guy here. But the biggest one that a lot of people were talking about was Tuka Rask. Uh, and, and, you know, in the future, I think I would have given it to him. But, you know, he only played, I believe, 41 games. And, you know, we talked about Yaroslav Halak earlier this episode. He played 31, I think. I don't know if 41 was enough to give him the vote for the Vesna. When you look at Connor Hellebuck and the numbers that he put up. Yeah. So Connor Hellebuck is my Vesna trophy winner. Daniel. I might have to agree with that. Like Connor Hellebuck, I think it was kind of like in terms of stats and the situation that the Jets are in, I think it was a runaway award for him this year. Like 0.922 safe percentage. With that defense he has. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, he's been like, you know, a consistent for that team. You know, it's not the uh, it's not the carrying a weight award kind of thing because they still have like those elite scorers. But, you know, it's like a Jets team that, you know, lost so much depth in the last two years. They're in a kind of a weird transition trying to figure out who they are, how they could contend again. So like someone that I think undisputed for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're right. This might be. I feel like this is probably going to be the only award we all agree on. I also said Connor Hellebuck. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, in this economy and what save percentage has become this year, and the point of fact that you put up a 922 on that team with that defense, I talked about him earlier. Uh, yeah, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, congratulations. Take a bow. So now it's time for the first two on one exclusive award. The Fulton Reed Award, which, by the way, the only defenseman I saw back check watching the Mighty Ducks. This will go to the best defensive defenseman of the year. And I will start us off here giving it to Minnesota Wild defenseman Jonas Brody. Wow. Real defenseman is. Stay at home. Safe. I love him. 
There's only Alex, one, there's only would... one right answer, and his name is Victor Hedman. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. The best all around. I wouldn't say his defensive numbers are better than, than other guys, like um, like Brett Pesci and that. I, I read the analytics for this, too. Oh, so. sure uh, wow, sure really? I'm shocked. I, I read an Andrew Berkshire article where he talked about Brett Pesci and that and talking about how his numbers are best defensively. How about Jacob Slavin? I think Slavin was probably there, too, but I just I really like Jonas Brodeen and everything about him, really. I just think he's just no a safe player. but Brodeen enough. That's the thing. No. Yeah. I really had a lot of hype for him when he first came on to the wild and then yeah it kind of fizzled it out but it's like he, well, he's not a bad player i think that's what happens to anyone who goes to minnesota <laughs> but hey uh daniel who do you give the fulton reed uh trophy to okay so um i'm gonna t- it's matthias ekholm i think he's just been a uh, consistent guy you know doesn't put up flashy numbers but for the way like nashville's kind of been this year you know a bit wonky but he's been really solid for them you know um Honorable mention, um, if it wasn't this year, was Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, if it wasn't this year. Um, and then, like, I think I talked about it before, but Marcus Nerivara, I would have given it to him if he didn't, if he wasn't placed on IR twice this year. How about Hampus Lindholm or Josh Manson? Oh. What happened to those guys? I wanted to, but, you know, <laughs> you guys are going to think I'm a Ducks fan if I put that. Dan, you are a Ducks fan. <laughs> Stop. I'm a big Leafs fan. Um, oh, I believe you. Yeah. Jake Muzzin's my favorite player. You know what? That says something. He did play for LA, right? So yeah, see, reliable player. Um, Daniel. Yes, I was going to say that. While you're there, we're talking defenseman. Tell me who gets the James Norris for the purpose of this podcast. We're going to give to the best offensive defense. Okay, um, I'll give you two answers, but only one is right. So, like, I have to give it to John Carlson for what he's been able to do yeah. this year. But my heart says Victor Hedman because I just love Victor Hedman. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I'll just leave it at that because um, that's interesting. Yeah, I had more. I was more excited about the Fulton Reed one than this yeah. one because, like, the James Norris <laughs> one's like it's kind of like a letdown after you think about okay, best defensive defensive. You wanna go away from the stars. Fair enough. Alex. Yeah, for me, obviously, it's John Carlson. But I think any other year, if John Carlson isn't putting up over a point per game and just ha- taking all the headlines, I think you really have to look at someone like Roman Yossi. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people were talking about him offensively um, simply because, you know, he was their leading scorer, uh, I believe, when the season, en- when the season uh, was suspended. But I think he really took a step up this year. You know, they they did, yeah, they trade P.K. Subban, and then uh, they brought in Dante Frabro, and yeah, they still have, you know, Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, uh, I don't, and and Dante Frabro, obviously. But I think Roman Yossi really took that step in the right direction and really looked like a that defenseman we've all been waiting for. Exactly. Um, yeah, mine is also John Carlson. Strictly this year, his offensive numbers are just, I can't deny them. Uh, this is actually one that I think, I think there's two two choices for this one. Okay. Um, 
The Calder Award to Rookie of the Year. I gave mine to Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche. So did I. I love I did too. I was lucky enough to go to a Colorado Montreal game, yeah. and there was not a player on the ice who caught my attention more than Kale McCarr. His skating is. I didn't carry Price. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was no, because he wasn't in that. That was Caden Primo's. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen a defenseman skate like Kale McCarr since Eric Carlson. So. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Daniel. Right, no, bye. we all said Kale yeah, McCarr. Said Kale. So, uh, for me, it was a really tough decision because, uh, you know, I got to see Quinn Hughes uh, play against the Leafs live, and he, he, he really did impress me. Um, obviously, I saw Kale McCarr, well, obviously, when they played the Leafs. I got I watched it on TV, and you know they're both really good defensemen, but I think I had to give the edge to Kale McCarr. If you are a Van, if you're that one Vancouver fan who got mad at us that one episode, I don't care. McCarr is better. Go cry about it. But you give up that first round pick for a player that you can't even use for the playoffs. Because you're not going to make it. Because there probably won't be one. And even if you do make it, you're not getting past the second round. I don't care. Uh, moving on. The Frank J. Selke trophy given to the best defensive forward. I give this to my man, my myth, my legend, my heart, Patrice Bergeron. Okay. I gave it to Ryan O'Reilly. That's fair. Yeah. Why Ryan O'Reilly? Listen, I respect Patrice Bergeron. He is very good. But I, I really think... His time as Selkie winner is over. <laughs> All he has most in history with Bob Gainey, that selfish bastard, Patrice. Still the best looking guy in the league, I'd say. What about you, Daniel? Who'd you go for? for I went Selkie? with Sean Couturier. Um, he's been really a leading man for the Flyers. Like they're, yeah. they're going on that hot streak that I don't think that, you know, if the season comes back, they're going to be able to maintain that. But I think he's the kind of guy where, you know, he's been consistent guy for them for their ups and downs for so long but he's been able to kind of like really uh carve out like his role i i put him at more value than claude Giroux personally um plays a more complete game and like the scoring like i remember the first few seasons he wasn't really a big scoring guy but like he's been able to kind of like add everything to his game so yeah i'm happy for that i think the last few years his uh two-way has really added, and the fact that he can put up points too, has really mm. combined together and f- like made him that player. And I think he's on a steal of a contract. I'm gonna pull up what his contract mm. is off the top of my. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's I believe three more years, and I think it's an absolute beauty of a contract. Another gem of Arizona hockey. Because <laughs> he's somehow from Arizona. Uh, Sean Gatoury makes four point three million dollars this year, next year, and the year after that. My goodness! <laughs> How old is Sean Gatoury? Twenty-six. Twenty-seven. Oh, 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 that's cool. That's a great contract right there. Okay, we got two more. Uh, here's probably like the award I just never know what to do with. Alex, the, the Lady Bing Trophy, who normally goes to nice guy who scores. Yeah. So I put. <laughs> This is my last Leaf player, I swear. I made an Austin Matthews uh, in in 70 games, 80 points, 47 goals, 8 penalty minutes. Wow. Uh, he only 8? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that is a that is a that's not Leaf Bayer. That is a that is a good contender for the Selkie Trophy. Sorry, the Lady Moon. Uh, Daniel, who's your nice guy who scores a lot? Nathan McKinnon. That's a good. Um, that's a good pick. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. player. Um, I don't know has a kind face. Uh, solid, <laughs> at, solid in the Tim Horton commercials. You know, he really convinced you to get those hockey cards. You know, he kind of stern with those kids. You ever see the one where they're like yelling? He's like, "You gotta share." He's <laughs> stern with those kids, guy. Nice guy, but you know, he's not a pushover. That's what I like about him. No, hold on. How many penalty minutes does Nathan McKinnon have? Let's get this up. Nathan McKinnon, thirteen. Uh, sorry, twelve pims. Um, mine is this guy does have a bit more penalty minutes. Um, but he is a nice guy, and even with some injuries, he still puts up a lot of points for a defenseman. This guy's worst year is a career year for most defensemen. It's incredible. My nice guy who scores is Eric Carlson mm. because I think he needs something to go right, and I love him. One of the He's best. at least one award today, this year. He has my heart. He's one of the best dressed, the best hair, the best sense of humor, and he survived in Ottawa, and I think that... There should be an Eric Carlson Award for per- forget about the Masterton. It should be awarded uh, Eric Carlson the Perseverance Award. But anyway, guys, we'll conclude here with the last prestigious two-on-one podcast MVP award of prestige, honor, and bragging rights. We've cans the heart and the Ted Lindsay because it's the same thing voted by either the PHWA or the freaking uh, the NHLPA for respective rewards. So I'll start with you, Alex. Who is your two on one podcast MVP award winner of prestige, honor, and bragging rights? I think both of us have the same answer here. It is Nathan McKinnon, and I'll tell you why. When it pl- when you ask, oh, which player on a team is uh, your MVP? Leon Draisaitl or Connor McDavid? Automatically, they get canceled out. Automatically, really? yeah, because you can't. You have one MVP. You have one stellar player. That's what's the definition of the Hart Trophy? Uh, the player most valuable to his team, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll and get the exact is, that word. That name is Nathan McKinnon. When Miko Rantanen was down, when Gabriel Landeskog was out, when Nazem Kadri was out, who was still there? Nathan freaking McKinnon. So the Hart Trophy, originally known as the Hart Trophy, sorry, the Hart Memorial, originally known as the Hart Trophy, is awarded annually to the, quote, player judged most valuable to his team. Okay, so who's the most, who, okay. Who is that on the Edmonton Oilers? McDavid. Adam Larson. But no. this year, there was McDavid or Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon. That's my answer. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, Daniel, who is yours? I actually went with Leon Dreisaitl. Um, All right. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, the separate lines kind of thing, what I was kind of thinking about where, you know, they've been able to carry those two kind of lines or Minnesota and Butterberg Tatsuk. Um, thing, too, is like, I, I, I brought it up again, not for a Ducks bias, but, like, you know, it's the same thing as when Corey Perry won the Hart Trophy 2011. That was after Getzlaff gets injured. And he's able to carry the team. Like, I know he had Bobby Ryan and Team Salani, but, like, I compare that to, like, Dreisaitl now. Like, you take away McDavid, and then you have Dreisaitl on on offense. Like, right. who, like you know, yeah, you put James Neal around him, but, like, you know, he does not compare to, like, really? prime Bobby Ryan or Team Salani. <laughs> That's very true. 
Um, you know, I really hope the season comes back uh, for the sole reason that McDavid's at 97 points and he deserves to hit 100. He really does. Um, if you've listened to this show, you know how much I love Nathan McKinnon. I was almost to the point where I was going to try and give him as many awards as possible. But I thought, no, um, I'm going to do this seriously. And uh, I, I really do believe that Nathan McKinnon is the MVP of this year. Because you look at every – first of all, he stayed healthy, which uh, on Colorado not many have. Uh, and, you know, for large persons, he's missed playing this clock. He's, uh, he's missed Miko Rantanen. And boom, McKinnon's been there. He's put up the points. He was probably going to hit 100 this year if the season had – continued maybe he still will we don't know but nathan mckinnon is uh, a gem that we should all cherish and is in a great contract and he will take less how much less we whatever will find out means. whatever that means i'm gonna take five hundred dollars flat i don't know if you uh, have the game you should take seven hundred thousand dollars exactly uh and, and and not have your number in it i can't wait till mckinnon's next deal is 29 it's like 10 million point 29 29 million dollars. 29 million. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're good, lads. Eh? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, this was fun. If, yeah. If you're someone who's listening to this podcast, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, maybe, maybe you're watching this on YouTube, you should, I don't know if you can subscribe, if you can leave a comment, a review, a rating, follow the show if you're enjoying it. Why wouldn't you? We're just three lovely individuals who love hockey, and if you're listening to this, so do you. So uh, also, you know, if you're leaving a review or you're going to tweet at us or something, because all that information will also be in the description of this episode, uh, let us know, you know, maybe who would you give, sorry, which player you would give what award. Um, if there's something you'd like us to watch, let's say a cup run, a famous game, a moment in history, I want you to let us know and we can talk about it because guess what? Only one person has so far and Talha got his episode. So it can be you. Listener, you, yeah, it's that, yeah, you, you listening, I'm talking, I'm looking into the camera of my Mac, you, yeah. And, and, oh. ma- <laughs> and make sure to check out the uh, Instagram page for the podcast, yep. leave a comment, maybe we'll talk about it, I don't know, probably. Uh, and how is this Andre Markov video coming? It's coming. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm actually, I'm actually legitimately writing the script. It's not the only. What are, you, what are you holding? Oh, this is my lamp I use for lighting. I got it from. Oh, the I thought it was a shoehorn. It is not a shoehorn. I okay. promise you that. <laughs> also, ladies and gentlemen, a teaser. Uh, also, why not leave a question you have for us? Because we're thinking of buying Lego. I've influenced the lab, okay? <laughs> and we're just gonna. We're going to build Lego. We're dorks, I know. We're going to build Lego while answering some hockey questions. So if you have a question for us, it doesn't even have to be a hockey. Ask us what our favorite, I don't know, flavor chips are. We'd be, we'd love to answer your questions. Also, um, we love you, most importantly. Not as much as I love Nathan McKinnon, but close enough. 